Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode two of the Modern Mystic Podcast, your friendly neighborhood spirits. Uh, it's me, Amelia Quint, your host, along with Paige Zafariu, and today we are talking about your friendly neighborhood spirits. Um, this was a request from a fellow Miracle Tree Session student, Melissa, who asked if we would talk about house spirits. So we're going to do you one better, and we're going to talk about all the different types of local spirits. So first of all, I want to start out by saying we're now on iTunes. We got it all sorted Yay. out. Yay! And we see you people out there blowing up our SoundCloud. It's amazing. Thank you so much for listening. We're so glad you love the first podcast. Um, we hope that you love this one, too. So, yeah, we'll be on SoundCloud, it'll be on iTunes, and, yeah, it's about to be a party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I gotta, I gotta say, though, Mercury went into Cancer on July 8th, and mm. uh, I have Mercury in Pisces, and you guys, I feel like a fish flopping on the floor a little bit, so, uh, we, <laughs> we, it's, it's a watery world out there, so we'd like to remind you that it's important, dear listeners, to be vigilant when it comes to not being passive-aggressive or completely losing your shit. Instead, remember that it's okay to be a little bit vulnerable and to open up every now and then, and maybe to take five minutes for yourself in the bathroom or the shower or wherever it is you need to take a little bit of time, maybe to scream, cry, and throw things, maybe just to breathe deeply, maybe just to journal about it, I don't know, heck, maybe just squeeze your cat or dog until they pee on you. Whatever... Whoa, just, whoa, just whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, don't do that. Please don't squeeze your pets. That's not. <laughs> no pets were harmed in the making of the show. It's <laughs> true. No pets were squeezed in the making of this podcast. We take no responsibility <clears throat> for squeezed pets. So, so we're so excited about this episode. Um, thank you so much, Melissa, you dear creature, for asking about house spirits. So we're going to talk about local spirits, and specifically today we're going to talk about spirits of your town, city, and home, spirits of the land on which you live, and spirits of the local deceased. So umbrella spirit of place, but uh, so much to talk about in here. We're going to try to fit in everything we can. Um, we think that it is extremely important to be aware of your spirit of place. Um, am I right, Amelia? Yeah, you're totally right. Absolutely. So let's start. Uh, you know, Amelia, I feel like you are a really savvy city witch. Do you have any tales that you'd like to tell about your experience with urban or suburban magic? Sure. So um, I live in the capital of South Carolina. Um, I live in an area that's uh, sort of urban. It's on a very urban street, but I am privileged to have a lovely, lovely backyard that has these huge ancient pine trees. Like they are so tall. I may put a picture of them in the show notes so you can see what they look like. Um, yeah, I moved here about Oh my God, it was about two years ago now. Um, and I knew instantly when I came to this house that uh, for the first time I was going to have a really, really tight relationship with the spirit of this place. So um, 
Yeah, I feel like those trees, they act as protectors for our house. The people who own the home, uh, who owned it before us, um, I was very privileged to find that they had done a little bit of witchery outside, a little bit of uh, horseshoe on the on the pine tree for good luck. So, uh, yeah, I go out there, I leave my offerings, and it's like my own secret uh, sacred grove. It's wonderful. Oh, feel super yeah. lucky. That's fantastic. That really feels like a little bit of a key to me. The idea that the land on which you live is your temple. That's your sacred place. Mm, we, of, course, yes. of course, we love to build altars and we love to build our own sacred spaces within our homes. But, you know, the, the land is a sacred spot. We, we can do so much of our work there and it's, it's nice to remember that. Yeah, I think there's something really special about just going outside and sitting on the porch if you have one or sitting on a park bench somewhere and appreciating the, the temple that is the, the land on which you live. So Oh, absolutely. In fact, now that I'm thinking about it, if every time that my magic magical practice has gotten too sort of um, structured maybe, or if, yeah. if it starts to feel a little bit restricted, if I just if I go outside, even if I just go outside onto the roof when I lived in the city or out into the yard, um, it, it really makes a difference. Doing magic outside after having done magic inside for a, a long period of time, it becomes it's very intuitive. It's very it flows really naturally. It's some of the simplest magic happens outside. Sometimes so simple we don't even realize that it's magic that we're doing. You know, yes, things like absolutely. just taking a moment. Solar, you know, the old boys of ceremonial magic love to talk about solar adoration, and they would go out at dawn and speak their Latin incantations and their Greek. But, <laughs> but you don't necessarily have to do that if that's not your jam. You just can go sit outside at dawn with your cup of tea or your cup of coffee, listen to the birds, observe the weather, you know, freaking patterns, whatever, you know, commune with your spirit of place at dawn and at dusk. Those are some of the best times. You're absolutely right. I mean, I'm kind of always on the go and I have trouble doing spiritual practice for a long, long period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, I blame it on the Gemini moon, maybe, I'm not sure. <laughs> but some of the most profound moments that I've had in my spiritual practice are just walking outside to that one tree in the morning before I leave for work yeah. for three minutes. And that's all it takes. Absolutely. Right? You know, when I was a nanny, I learned from one of the mothers I worked with that one of the most effective, actually probably the most effective technique for calming a frantic child or a frustrated child was we would just go outside. And the way she described it to me was, you know, when you're inside all the time, all day long, you get kind of closed in and to go outside it's like the sky opens up above your head and suddenly all your thoughts and feelings have a place to go they can just oh yeah the feeling of being under a ceiling versus yes. being out under the open sky and it really worked every time the kids were were having a hard time i would take them out to the backyard and almost instantly they would calm down it's amazing wow so going outside is good for you too yeah, going outside is good for you. I mean, besides all the health benefits that we know about, like yeah. vitamin D and getting exercise and all that stuff, mm -hmm. you know, magical benefits. Very magical benefits. That One, leads us, sorry, into oh. the... Uh, 
God, this Mercury and Pisces, I just feel like a fish on the floor. I'm <laughs> telling you, I am a floppy fish on the floor. Yeah. You are not a floppy fish. Tell me. <laughs> this is devolving really quickly. Tell me. It's also the what? dark moon, you know, so it's just yeah, let's all lie down on the floor and have a fish time, you guys. It's okay. <laughs> just yeah. For those of you that aren't super astrology savvy or just learning, so the dark moon that's the time when the moon has been full and it's been waning and now it's like right before the new moon. We have the new moon coming up on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, as it is, we're recording this on a Monday. Um, but yeah, the dark moon is a very, it can be a low energy flow time. Uh, it's good for divination, but it might make you feel a little bit loopy. A little bit weird. Just a little bit loopy, maybe. So, write oh. it on your calendar. Pay attention. Like, don't force yourself to do all the work during the dark moon. I realize that we are doing a podcast during the dark moon. Mm -hmm. After this, I've got some walls to prime. But we, we will Do as we say, we, not as we, we do. We have to make certain compromises, you know. You can't call out of work every time there's a dark moon, but being or gentle you? with yourself. <laughs> just be gentle with yourselves, okay? You know, don't prime the whole house, just the one wall. Stick to it. There you go. As we were saying, this brings us to why. Why is it important to get to know your friendly neighborhood spirits and your spirits of place? Why is it important? Well, it is mutually beneficial to both you and the spirits of place. Because, to be quite frank, I am of the opinion that as spiritual, magical, sacred artists and practitioners, I kind of feel like it's maybe our job to take care of the earth a little bit. You know, maybe? Just sort of a little bit. So, there's that. It's a good thing to do, take care of the earth so that it can take care of us in turn. Because selfishly speaking, there are lots of reasons to get to know your spirits of place. Just like you would get to know your actual human neighbors when you move into a place. Presumably, this seems to be happening less and less in my observation, at least in the city. But they can be enormously helpful to you. Enormously helpful to you. Like, um, like with city living... I, I owe the spirit of San Francisco an enormous debt for all of the buses that I caught, miraculously caught, when I really <laughs> needed to catch a bus. When I really needed to catch a bus. And even, I will even owe it a debt for the time when I really wanted to catch a bus, but I really shouldn't have been catching that bus, so I tripped and fell flat on my face in the middle of the intersection in front of <gasps> everyone on the bus and in oh, the intersection. No. And I was just like, you know what, fuck this, I'm going home. And that's really what I needed to have been doing anyway. So thank you for even that time, San Francisco, that I fell down and hurt myself. <laughs> See, those are the little things that you should pay attention to, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. so One of my favorite types of local spirits are the weather spirits. Me and the weather spirits are tight. Um, like you said, catching the buses. I cannot tell you the amount of time. So I'm terrified of the lightning storms that will just pop up in the summer here. Because um, one time lightning struck a little bit too close to my house and it freaked me out. So... The amount of times that I have mysteriously not gotten rained on and then it starts pouring down rain as soon as I get in the door is kind of interesting. Yeah, you have a good weather spirit relationship. So because everyone's 
sort of natural gifts and inclinations are different, we encourage you to pay attention to this kind of stuff. Do you have a knack for catching buses? Or are you chronically missing your train? If so, maybe there's a relationship <laughs> you could start working on there. Maybe that's a place where you could say, all right, let me get to know my spirits of public transportation and see if we can get a better relationship going. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Pay attention to both your natural areas of ease and of not so easy. Oh, that I love, love, love. Mm -hmm. So that brings up actually a good uh, question, which is, so how do you start to develop a relationship with these local spirits, especially of your city and town? Um, one point that I'd like to make, which is one that Seb the Shaman made on his excellent blog, Green Stag Spirit Work, which you should all be reading. It's fantastic. It's so good. It's so good. I just want, I want to throw up. It's so good. Read it, I promise you won't throw up like me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, the podcast is going up the rails. We're, we're fine. It's all fine. So, <laughs> we're completely sober. This is fine. It's all good. The dangers the of speaking thing. publicly like, during the dark moon, on the moon's day, even, as it were. Yeah, we don't even need entheogens or drugs or anything to be this crazy. We're, this yeah, is this naturally. Water. I'm drinking spring water. I blame it on the spring water. Those spring spirits, they just make me silly. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go. Um, <laughs> so, as Seb writes on his excellent blog, Greenstag Spirit Work, which I so guarantee... Good. Well, I can't guarantee that it won't make you throw up, but probably won't. He points out that while cities themselves, they have a spirit of their own, the spirit of the place is older than the man-made city. There was a spirit of the wild place that existed before any buildings were built, before any settlements were made, and that spirit is still alive and part of the growing, evolving city spirit or town spirit. Um, but, you know, also all the, spirit, the various incarnations of that settlement that grew into a town or city is still present. Just like living people, the spirits of cities and places grow and evolve. And, mm. and the longer sort of the settlement has been there, maybe, or the richer its history, the more powerful a city spirit can be. Sometimes they can get diseased, of course. Not all city spirits are wonderful, powerful luminaries of goodness and reason. But if you go to one of the world's greatest cities the ones that are consistently spoken of as the world's greatest cities. If you go to London, New York, Paris, wherever, these places are like, you, you feel it. You feel oh, the yeah. power. You feel the spirit of it. They're like these massively powerful, complex energy centers. And all of the residents, both living and dead, are part of that spirit of the city. It's not just like the buildings and the sidewalks and the dirt underneath them. It's all the living things, all of the technology, all of the animals, all the people, the spirits of both worlds. Um, one of the things I love most about our studies with Brianna Saucy is that when we do active imagination work with her, we always say a blessing for the spirit of this place and all of the creatures, seen and unseen, that make it up. Mm, yeah, beautiful blessing. Mm -hmm. It really, 
you know, we forget sometimes about the unseen spirits of place, and uh, they're they're just as important, if not more so. Amen. So, so, that is all well and good, but how do we begin to cultivate the relationship with the place? So first, just acknowledging this spirit of place, just f tapping into it almost. Start by feeling it out, by paying attention, just like you would pay attention to your human neighbors who come in and out of your door every day. What animals are in your yard or outside of your window? Mm -hmm. What do you hear? What do you see and smell? For example, when I lived in San Francisco's Tenderloin neighborhood, I swear to God, my corner, every once in a while, would smell exactly like the plastic they used to make My Little Ponies in the 80s. I don't know <laughs> what was up with that, but I loved it. And it, it really made my day, and it made me feel happy and connected to this frankly, rather seedy street corner. No matter how seedy your location may be, or isolated in the country, or in the middle of, you know, little suburbia, identical little rows of houses, no matter where it is, how much is going on there, you can connect. You can tap in. There is beauty and goodness and magic there. There are spirits both seen and unseen of the roads, mm. the crossroads, the animals, the deceased, the technology, such as buses and transportation and electric wires and all that good stuff. It's a wonderful, complicated place. Mm. Amelia, do you have any suggestions for getting to know your spiritual neighbors, so to speak, your local spirits of place? I do, actually, and I have an experience to share. Um, so, you know, obviously we're encouraging you to go out and build these relationships. Um, and in the Miracle Tree sessions, we did a similar thing. It was, you know, building your relationship with the spirits of place. And so I went out to in my yard the first time, and I'm like, ah, I'm going to have this great relationship. And I <laughs> had, like, my water, my bread and whiskey and like whatever offerings I had decided to bring. And they were sort of grumptastic. <laughs> they were like really sort of like cranky. They're like, well, no one's talked to us in however many years. Like, what's your problem? Why do you want to talk to us? It was so funny. Like, and, and that's kind of how I knew it was real because <laughs> like you can't make that up. So, you know, don't be alarmed, surprised, concerned, uh, if the spirits at first are kind of like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, that is okay, because as Paige has mentioned, you know, we've become more and more isolated in the industrial age from the land on which we live. So they may be suspicious. They might be like, who is this human being that suddenly thinks she's going to pay attention to us? Now, once I started doing that every single day... Then it became more of a two-way street, um, more mutually beneficial, symbiotic relationship. And now I feel totally welcomed and loved by this this place on which I live. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of a little bit bumpy at first. Um, also, in addition to just the advice of paying attention, like, pay attention to how you feel certain things in your body, right? It's like mm. we talked in the last episode about when the ground sort of hums beneath you or you get that tractor beam feeling. I think that's super important. Um, for example, one of the main places where I drop 
some of my ritual supplies is the urban crossroads, otherwise known as the intersection outside of where I work. Yeah. Um, there's a trash can. You can do the same exact thing. You just drop it in. Don't look back. Right. But like even just doing that in the middle of broad daylight at 8 a.m., people are hustling, bustling, going to their jobs. Like I felt that feeling of the crossroads. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the understanding that you have tapped into something very deep and old and wise. Um, so yeah, pay attention to, uh, how you feel it in your body. I've heard it called ball tickle to be, My goodness. <laughs> to be really foul. I mean, you can feel it in your solar plexus, like whatever, but that, you know, pay attention to where you feel that. And then when that lights up again, it can be an indicator for you. Mm, yeah, yeah, because if we are part of the spirit of place, then if we're tapping into that power, we should feel activated. You should feel it in your body, your actual physical body, which is part, you are a delicious cog in the moving part of your, your place. Totally. So on the topic of offering, since we're talking about it, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to talk about... Uh, For many, many years, I was concerned and upset because all these witches or magical practitioners were saying, uh, you know, go out and give these offerings. And uh, I I always wondered, like, how do you know what type of offering the spirit wants? Like, do you look it up in an encyclopedia of spirits, which there is one and it's very good? Um, Do you Google it or do you just freeball it, right? But as... Over the years, I've discovered as much as I uh, hated hearing this advice myself, just ask them. Ask them and then listen to them. And they will let you know what they want. Like, you'll hear it or maybe you'll feel it or you'll see it in your mind's eye. Um, It's kind of different for everybody. But, yeah, just just ask what they want. Um, One really, really poignant experience of that – was a day after the terrible, terrible tragedy happened in Charleston. Um, obviously, everybody here was in mourning, but uh, I thought to myself, you know, I wonder like what the land is feeling about this, to have this much sorrow and this much suffering. So I went out on the porch by the tree, and I said, you know, what do you need from me, right? In quiet communion with them, I said, like, how do you feel? How can I be a of service and you know there were offerings that I could give and certain prayers and services that I could you know provide to help so if something like that has happened to your community or if you just want to lift up your community and mm-hmm. uh you know help it be a more positive awesome place that's a Heck great yeah. practice to try it's also pretty good manners to do something like that after the city has done you a good turn such as helping you catch the bus um, yes. Amen. So, yeah, absolutely. It's just good manners. You know, your neighbor helps you with a thing. You help your neighbor with a thing or you, you know, give them a pot of jam or something. I don't know. <laughs> Which then brings the question, what do you give to your spirits of place? What kinds of offerings are great? Uh, there are many answers to this. No one answer. But personally, I always have a bottle of water with me. Usually uh, I have a refillable water bottle that usually is full of spring water because our tap water here in eastern Massachusetts where I live right now is not the best. It's got chlorine in it, and I don't really want to be pouring chlorine into my ground. 
So I take my, my drinking water of spring water and I pour a little bit out. If I've been hanging out at the park or um, if the city has done me a good turn and I see some place that looks very dry or like it could use some water, pour a little bit of water out. That's totally. always, water is always a good offering. I mean, the ground, maybe not always can use some water, but generally speaking, living things are, are always a little bit better for a drink of water. You can also uh, pick up litter. That's a favorite one of mine. I, yeah. Before I was vehicularly mobile here, I would have to, <laughs> it's language, it happens from our faces at times. We speak these words. We don't know why. You know, I have to walk. Would I have to have to have to walk down the street to get anywhere? Of course, the only place for me to go is the cemetery, but that's a place. I'd walk down the street, and in about a fifteen-minute walk, you'd probably find a plastic bag. So I'd pick up the plastic bag, and then I'd find some litter or some bottles, and I'd just put it in the plastic bag. And by the time you reach the end of the street, you have a full plastic bag of litter. Then I would just turn around and go home because what are you going to do walking around with your bag full of trash? But if you ha even if you're just walking down the sidewalk or if you're at the park, first of all, clean up after yourselves for goodness sake. But if you see trash, just pick it up. Pick up litter. No brainer. No brainer. You can also, if you're going back to libations, make offerings of locally crafted stuff. Locally brewed beer. Or roast, locally roasted coffee, or local, you know, if there's a signature snack of your city. Oh, I love know. that. That's you know. a good one. Yeah, something made with love on the land, from the land, even better if it's locally grown and processed and sold. And it, you know what's so funny is sometimes I alcohol is always a good offering. Like everybody likes spirits. to have a little drink. Yeah sometimes and so like my husband will make so much fun of me I'll be out you know giving my uh libations and he'll look at me he's like are you pouring one out for your dead homies and I'm like yes actually I literally am. I am yes. literally pouring one out for my dead homies it's a good thing yes but I also want to point out that if you you or some practitioner you know struggles with substance abuse you do not have to buy alcohol just to give to the spirits water Amen. will do just Fine. I feel like we talk a lot in the spiritual community about alcoholic libations, but there's not always a lot of acknowledgement of substance abuse issues and, mm. and things like that. So it's important to, to bring that up and to say also, you don't have to buy alcohol. Water is spirits. good for everybody. Yeah, water I mean, is good for everybody. If you, especially if you live in a really dry place, mm -hmm. like earlier in the summer when it was so, everything was bone dry. Yeah. Yeah, especially when I lived in San Francisco, water was my primary offering. Because uh, I spent a lot of time in the parks. I lived in a downtown Tenderloin apartment in an extremely grody, haunted building. So I spent a lot of time in the parks. You better believe it. <laughs> yeah. I would spend hours in the park lying on my blanket like a sultan. And <laughs> like a poor saltine sultan. And I would pour out a little bit of my drinking water at the end of my stay at the park. I would go to the tree that had sheltered me with its shade, if I'd been lucky enough to find shade, and poured out some water at the roots and said thank you. Sometimes I'll walk, if I have enough water, I'll walk in a circle around the tree pouring out water saying thank you. And um, that's, hmm. that's very easy. Another way, if you don't feel comfortable pouring stuff out or leaving food offerings, for example, because food offerings can be problematic, especially in the city when raccoons will mug you if you don't watch out. Yes, um, absolutely. 
And you certainly don't want to attract pests. Uh, You can, if you are able, donate money to local politicians who are good for your city. Local biz- you can spend your money at local businesses that are good for the community. You can donate to the firefighters or the law enforcement. There are so many, even if it's just a few dollars. Or how about, you know, just registering to vote and then actually voting and actually thinking about all the things on the ballot that concern your local community. Being involved in your community, basically, is... Uh, and these things aren't actually that hard. It's not actually that hard to register to vote and to vote. It's not actually that hard to find some place in your community that you can donate a few dollars to or some canned food to. Whatever your surplus is, donate it to your community. Whether it's your time, your money, your goods, donate it. This is just a personal observation, but I would like to note that I've found that the best offerings are usually things that you would have liked to have had to yourself. So, for example, I I get this bread from a local bakery, and it is divine. Mm -hmm. Pun not intended. I just realized what I said. (laughs) Um, But I always, like, give the very first piece when I'm like, oh, God, I am wanting that bread so bad. I always give the first piece as the offering. Because it's something that I yes. would have wanted. And that's a very, very ancient tradition, offering the first fruits of the harvest to the deity mm-hmm. that helped you, you know, make it happen. Um, yeah. I have personally struggled with this in the past. I mean, I'll tell you, I have struggled because I have often felt or, or attempted, like, okay, so if I have food that I cannot eat, if it's been spoiled in some way, or if it's just kind of old, maybe it's stale, I have to wonder to myself, is this a good offering? Can I give, you know, there's there's a temptation to sort of cheat and say, oh, well, I'll just offer them my old moldy bread bits that I don't want anymore. Right. And that's not the best general kind of an offering, but my compromise has been to compost. To treat compost as an offering. Like it's not, you wouldn't serve it up on a plate to someone you respected. Like here's a plate of my old moldy compost. Enjoy. Yeah, look at this beautiful plate of my moldy ass bread. My my rinds and, and God. But to compost is an act of service to your community. It's good for the community and it's good for the food that you are composting. So Genius. Genius, genius. You win a prize. You know, another thing that you can do is giving a sacrifice of your time, right? Either spending time outside or spending time picking up trash or spending time going to a protest, a peaceful protest of some kind. Spending time. Local events, local gatherings, art fairs, farmers markets, whatever's going on in in your area, go there. Soak up the good vibes and put out some good vibes yourself. Exactly. Because that's something that we all like to have. It's time. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, clean up after yourself. Don't leave a mess. Don't Please mess. just clean up it's your shit. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. When when there's a big gathering and everyone leaves and there's just trash everywhere, I just want to eat a foot. I can't stand I can't stand it. <laughs> eat a foot? <laughs> Me too. Just That's graphic. That's like, I had a, a visual of that, but it's oh, really... I'm sorry. I, see, I say... Often, I found, when I say things, I don't have an image of what I'm saying. So I'm sorry that you had to, that you all had to see that. I'm sorry. That's okay. That is totally okay. Yeah. So I think 
what we need to do now is, you know, we've talked a lot about why uh, having a relationship with the spirit as a place is important. We talked a lot about how to have that relationship and what sort of offerings are appropriate, but we haven't talked that much about, about the different types yes. of spirits. Did I say about, about? I'm sorry, y'all. About, about, about. We're just, this is the club remix of the podcast, you guys. About, 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 about. I apologize. I'm so <laughs> Oh, good. We're having a good time. I'm thinking about chicken nuggets. I don't know what you're doing. Just... Oh, I would kill a bitch for like some McNuggets right oh, now. We got to rein it in, people. See, we got Mercury and Cancer. We all have to be careful and gentle with ourselves. We can't be throwing chicken nuggets around on the air. This is just... Rein it in. Rein it in. <laughs> yes. Spirits of place. <laughs> all the many different kinds that we have. There's so many. Let's, we're all, so, Paige, will you tell so us many. a little bit about the different kinds of spirits? Yes. So, the first thing that I have to say, the first thing I always think of when I'm thinking about this is the most, the wonderful article by our favorite occult writer and artist, Sarah Ann Lawless. Woo! About, yeah, woo. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed, woo, my friend. <laughs> about the genius loci, the spirit of place, sort of as a unit. That is, is more of the natural world. That includes the land, the plants, the animals, the weather, uh, the spiritual beliefs of the native people that lived here, and the spirits of the native people that lived on the land before non-native people moved in, as they tend to do. It yeah. also includes the deceased. So all those who have lived and died on the land. Mm-hmm. It includes some things we would like not to think about, like the insects that we share this land with. Uh, it also includes the spirits of the man-made components of the land, uh, spirits of your house, spirits of technology, of your car, of the electricity that runs through the wires that cover the land. Uh, the, the, the waterways, both natural and man-made, the rivers, the lakes, the ponds, the oceans, but also the sewer pipes. Yeah. And the water mains. Things One of like my that. teachers once put this concept as uh, everything that is, is alive. Yes. And that really Amen. blew my head wide open. Uh, but yeah, really, everything that is, is alive. If you can conceive of it, if you can hold it in your hand, if it's a part of this world... It's a lie. Mm -hmm. Spiritually speaking. Spiritually speaking. Yeah. Yes, that's a beautiful way to put it. That's a beautiful way to put it. So, and I, th I think I think we talked a little bit about the genius loci in our last episode. We did. Uh, but it, it's worth talking about again because it is that important. Uh, it is one of the best ways to get started on a relationship with your spirit of place. Uh, I one of the first things I did when I moved he back here to Massachusetts was to start a new file for my local genius loci uh, and to mm. take note of all the animals that I saw in my yard, all of the plants that we grow and that I know that are around here, um, all of the weather patterns mm. I know, the seasons. Uh, I started doing research about the local history. Uh, depending on the place you live in, there are usually some very, very enthusiastic local historians and folklorists who have all different kinds of specialties from historical events to wars to, you know, botany, all kinds of stuff. So 
searching that out, I started making a list of books from the library to reserve about local lore, local stories, uh, local events, all that good stuff. So the spirit of your place is not restricted to the present moment. It also it, it, it is very old and it encompasses all of those things, just as you as a living person are you know, yourself in this moment, but also you are the sum of all your experiences and the people that you've met and the people that you used to be are still in some way. Mm, yeah. At yeah. the same time, you're constantly growing and evolving and changing and, and acknowledging that is very important. Awesome. So one thing that I do want to mention with regard to this beautiful list of different genius loci spirits that we just talked about is that you should not be alarmed if you don't feel a connection to all of these different things. Mm -hmm. Like, it is not a witchy checklist. Uh, it is, those things are out there, but not all of those things may want or need to have a relationship with you. So me, for example, I've never really been a plant person. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not great at growing things. Uh, so with the exception of those beautiful pines that I was talking about, or like the rosemary and wisteria in my yard, uh, I'm not a super, super planty person, but I do have a pretty close connection with animals sometimes and I'm way way closer with like the spirits of the stars and celestial beings being the astrologer that I am so yeah just don't don't freak out if you don't vibe yeah. with all of them right away yeah everyone's experience is unique as we've said just pay attention to what jumps out at you follow your own experience and trust your own experience you know just because you're not having an experience that someone else has written about or talked about doesn't mean yes. it, doesn't, it doesn't invalidate you and your experience. And also just because you're having an experience that no one has ever told you about an experience you've never heard about in your life doesn't mean that that's an invalid experience. You know, right. when I, God, I gotta tell you, honestly, I, I was freaked out recently when I moved back here and this was my first time I, I was born and raised in Massachusetts but I became a fully functional spiritual practitioner while I lived in California. And this is my first time living on the land of my birth as a fully functioning spiritual practitioner. And something very unexpected happened to me. While I was in California, I began working as a spirit worker. I began following my calling as a spirit worker, specifically a medium with the dead. And uh, I came back to Massachusetts. I'm here in my father's house. I've just arrived, it's my first week back. He's away on a business trip, so I have the place to myself. There's a lovely screened-in porch that I'm sitting on. It's about midnight, having a little glass of tea and writing in my notebook, and all of a sudden I look up and realize that I'm surrounded by dead things on the other side of the porch walls, surrounding me in a circle. And it was pretty freaky. I was very, that had never happened to me before in such a scale. And uh, it was just the local dead coming to say hi. Because as a, as a spiritual magical practitioner, if you're spiritually active, you may, you draw spiritual attention from local spirit elements and entities. So they were all like, oh, who's this? I, you know, because when I first got here, I went out to the backyard and I, I did our grounding, centering and anchoring practice where I put down roots in the land and connect to the stars above me. And, and, you know, ground. I ground in the place. And after doing that, it was like I'd sent out some kind of beacon because this is a very relatively rural area that I'm in. 
And not a lot happens out here. Most of the residents have been here for decades. Just even, even when they moved, they just moved down the street. So not a lot happens around here. And they were just fascinated. They were animals. They were people. They were new. They were old. And uh, when that kind of stuff happens, just go with it. <laughs> just, that's the, just go with it. Record your experience. I did some automatic writing. I wrote it all down. I was as respectful as possible while also kind of stating my own boundaries, like please don't follow me into the house when, when I leave the porch after we're done talking. Just treat them respectfully as you would your neighbors and trust your own experience. It would have been very easy for me to say, oh, this is not happening, and run back inside and hide under the covers and pretend that I had just made that up because I was very tired. Yeah, absolutely. That is totally wild and, and absolutely a real thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, absolutely. And then I'm, I'm happy that I, I didn't run away in fear but uh, because once we started talking... It occurred to me, oh, why don't I ask these local spirits, these local dead, uh, how can I maybe be helpful to you? How can I be of service? My, what I've had experience in so far is in transitioning the dead, but not all of you seem to want or need that. Like, all these dead chipmunks don't really need <laughs> to be, they don't need to cross over. What do they want? What, how, what are their motivations? What are they doing? What do they like to do? Yeah, it is just like getting to know a neighbor. Exactly. It's like you don't walk up to your neighbor and assume you know exactly what they want right away. Yeah. Yeah. Judging them, you know, on the surface level. So it's just assuming, assuming that you knew. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Respect your experiences. Respect your experiences. And, and that's just my, my experience. You may not have any connection to the dead. That may not be your thing at all. And that's completely valid whatever your experience is honor it as valid amen absolutely so while we're talking about dead things Mm -hmm. shall we talk about the spirits of the ancestors and deceased you know it all right ancestors and the deceased what are your thoughts amelia so Paige and I had a little chat about this exact thing, (laughs) and we feel like there are two different categories under the deceased people umbrella, right? Mm -hmm. So first, we have, obviously, ancestors of blood or spirit. So those would be uh, the people, that indigenous people that lived on the land before you were there, um, people that lived in the hall for you had it um anybody who has died and and passed on on that soil right um Mm -hmm. it can also be as far as ancestors of spirit it could be the spiritual beliefs of the people Mm -hmm. who lived there so Mm -hmm. there's a cool mix here in south carolina of uh uh definitely very christian undertones but also some imports from Uh, across the pond in various places. Um, So that's the ancestor piece. But the other part uh, is something that I like to call residual energy. Mm -hmm. That's basically what the lay people or muggles might call ghosts, Mm -hmm. right? So residual energy is any sort of energy, positive or negative, that's been built up in a certain place over time, right? Right. So, 
it's like residue that's left behind. Every person's experience in a certain place leaves behind residue. So that's how you get something like a house that feels haunted. Um, for example, a home that I lived in, the attic was uh, very creepy. It scared the living shit out of me and my husband. <laughs> Found out from a neighbor that um, two children had died up there. Um, they were, yeah, crazy stuff. So we never went back up there again. Totally freaky. But that's an example of negative um, residual energy. There was obviously a lot of sadness, a lot of sorrow, a lot of anger that was manifesting as just uh, general heebie-jeebies. But, mm -hmm. you know, residual energy can also be... It can be as much positive as it is negative. So you would see positive residual energy in places like sacred sites. So it's that feeling that you get when you go into a church or an, a, another type of temple where the land, the place itself feels sacred. It sort of vibrates on a different frequency. Mm -hmm. I had that experience. Uh, I had the privilege of going to the Duomo in Milan during a mass um, they had the incense going, and um, I myself am Catholic, so it was pretty, pretty profound experience there. Um, but Paige, tell me, have you had any experiences in your practice with residual energy? Oh, slap me in the face, you know. <laughs> Both positive and negative. I've had extremely positive experiences. In fact, one when I was a child where I knew even before I got there, that it was a really powerful, positive place. I was maybe know, 10 years old when really? my family went as a family to France for the first time. And there was a river, a small river is in the south of France where the family we were visiting would go swimming. It was a lovely swimming hole with a little wall you could jump off of. And I remember, I don't actually remember the before part, but I, I know that before we went there, I would say, oh, this is my favorite place, the River Sorg, my favorite place. I think I even wrote it in my elementary school yearbook, favorite place, yeah. River Sorg. And I had never been there. I had, we hadn't been there yet. And when we got there, my father turned to me and he said, Paige, we're in your favorite place. I was like, yeah, I know. I, over, I knew before we even got here, this is my favorite place. Oh. I just remembered that experience. What a very strange thing that was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've been to other many. So that was an example of just a natural spot that has good energy. You know, a swimming hole, a lovely spot on a river, a waterfall, uh, a, a grove of trees. These places can be very powerful, uh, positive residual energy where there's lots, been lots of joy there. People go there every summer. They swim in this one spot in this tiny backwoods river, and it is so full of joy. It radiated to me from across the ocean. And I wow. just loved it. That is truly incredible, Paige. And these places, we, I, I truly believe, pay attention to the way you are drawn to places for yes. good or ill. Because like I was drawn to that river, I was also drawn to the apartment building that I lived in in San Francisco's Tenderloin, which was horribly haunted. And I knew it was before I moved in. I was right? researching places to live, and I found two of them. I was narr I narrowed it down, 
and I was Googling this one building to find out more about their backyard, because they had a backyard, ooh, in downtown San Francisco, so exciting. And in Googling it, I discovered that five years earlier, the cold cases unit had solved a 30-year-old murder of a little girl in the basement of that building by a famous serial killer who is currently on death row for being a horrible serial killer. And I said, well, that does not sound like fun. I don't think I want to go to there. But the guidance I received was extremely strong and said, no, you must go to there. You must move into that building and you have to deal with this residual energy. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I did. I moved in. I lived there for a year. Luckily, I was on the top floor and the haunting was in the basement. Uh, but I had to do my laundry down there and take my trash out down there. So for a year, I just was a good neighbor. I didn't really get all up in her business. Oh I didn't God. try to like, here's an offering of honey and incense. <laughs> I didn't get a really ritualistic on it. I just was a respectful neighbor because this energy was very clearly disturbed in the worst way. And I mean, this was a the most brutal murder of a child you can imagine. It really was ho horrible. Horrible. There were details in the report. I just... And you could feel it. It was she, like almost like the, the, there was something around this little girl that was just pain and rage of 30 years built up there. So oh. I lived there for a year. And uh, when I finally moved out, at the very, very end of my stay, I'd moved all my furniture out of my apartment. Everything was done. I just had a little stool. And I took my stool into the closet because, according to my guidance, that was... The, only the darkest place in my apartment that I could go. So I shut myself into the closet, and I did what I've been spirit-initiated to do, which is help them transition, help these spirits transition, and I had to peel the trauma off of her. It was like this layer of grossness that I had to peel away, and then I could help her transition, and then I... The building felt like it sighed, a sigh of relief when it happened mm. and it finally was like oh like like I don't know finally uh I don't want to compare it to like a wart that's finally gone but some this this burden this heaviness this pain is just lifted and it's gone and there's still residual energy that like the impression of that it is not instantly vanished but the source of it was gone so that now healing could begin because healing could not begin until that had been until the spirit had moved on Wow. Because she was not in place. She was not in a place where she could become a good, friendly spirit neighbor. She was too traumatized. There are many places. My, my aunt's house in San Francisco has a very friendly ghost, a Victorian middle-aged woman who is happy to coexist in the building. She never bothers anybody. Occasionally she shows up to some freaked out overnight guests who are like, who's in the rocking chair? Blah. <laughs> but otherwise, it's very friendly, and, and you don't, there's no need to cross her over. She's fine. She's fine as she is. She's not bothering anybody. But with cases like that little girl, mm. you've got, the, you know, the, the, there's a wound, and it must be, some, there's a fester in the wound, and that fester must be dealt with before the wounds can heal. I do want to say while we're talking about this, now, Paige is a very special, amazing person who, like she said, has been spirit-initiated to do these sort of uh, mediumistic, psychopomp works. But if that is not your calling, do not feel compelled or like you have to help these spirits transition. 
Like, yeah. it, 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 just like any neighbor, like he, you can say, I'm here to support you. Mm-hmm. I'll bring you sugar, you know, or flour, whenever. But like, I can't get involved in your shit. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And, and that is just as valid. It's not any less uh, mystical or anything to just coexist. Now, if you do feel that pull, I, I think the real key is listening, right? Because Paige, like you said, you listened to that call, right? For example, in the house, the haunted house that I was speaking about, I did not listen to the call. I knew in my heart of hearts, I hate that phrase, but I knew in my truest self and my partner at that time did as well that we should not move in there. And we did it anyways. And it was one of the worst mistakes in my life. Uh, If I could go back, I would not do it. So listening to that part of yourself that is is guiding you from a very, very deep place and listening to those spirits at the place, that is the most important key. You know, Amelia, I feel like we maybe could or should attempt a show later on about listening to the various parts of yourself because that's the thing. You have this, this calling in your innermost true heart of heart self that tells you the truth, but there are other parts of you that are like, no, I'm, I disagree with that. And I, like, I had the opposite experience of you where I really didn't want to move in, but the yeah. calling said, yeah, you really have to, you really have to. I, was like, oh, I really don't want to. And it was a choice. I chose to answer that call. You, you have to exercise discernment. You don't have to do what the spirit world tells you. You don't have to do anything. It's your choice completely. Yes. And I chose to follow that calling. I knew because I knew in my heart of heart it was the right thing to do and that I was capable. Because you really, you know, it can be very dangerous if you say, oh, sure, I'm going to try, you know, encountering this murder spirit that's really angry. And you, if you don't know what you're doing or if you are not prepared or if you have no experience, you can get into trouble. That's not good. It's not good for you. Yeah, nobody wants that. Protect yourself. Yeah. Be so protect safe. Protect yourself. Use discernment. Exercise caution. But but do your best to discern what is the actual true calling I'm hearing here, and what are the parts yes. of my ego or whatever other voices, or or what is a voice from outside myself? What is the local spirit itself trying to tell me? That especially, you do not have to follow what they're saying. You don't have to agree. You're not obliged to take up the cause of every lost soul that wanders into your life. You really are yes. not obliged to do that. Just please. Not at all. Please don't don't do that. You know, honestly, uh, it's we called this the episode friendly neighborhood spirits and it's kind of like you have to practice safety with these spirits in the same way that you would practice safety taking a walk in your neighborhood right like don't go walking alone at night Mm -hmm. in places that are really fucking sketchy you know or you know if you see somebody that needs help maybe ask them if you can help them just basic courtesy applies to the spirit world too absolutely absolutely i'm thinking now about basic graveyard etiquette as a great example like you wouldn't just storm into the graveyard without paying any mind to the the guardians of the graveyard and just start waking people up and be like hey can you help me with my math homework or whatever you just like you wouldn't go banging on your neighbor's door like hey can i use your pool or your 
bathtub or whatever without so much as an introduction. You have to be respectful and courteous and follow the basic, you know, guidelines of etiquette. Be Absolutely. Thoughtful. So, was there anything else we wanted to touch upon here? Or are we coming to the close We're of our... We're coming to the close. We've got five minutes left, so we need to wrap it up. Um, what we really wanted to share, I guess, is our final takeaway is just... Just fucking take care of your place, man. You know? Absolutely. Um, Here's the thing, though. It's that spiritual practitioners have an obligation to take care of the earth. I mean, it's everyone's responsibility yeah. as a human. Like, mm -hmm. if the Pope can get down with it, people need to get with the program. Seriously. But it's your job as a modern mystic to do this shit. It right? really is. It's being in the spiritual community is being of service in some way, even if that service is just to the earth that allows us to even be here. And, you know, if, if you have a hard time getting down with that and you dis if you disagree, which is fine, that we have an obligation to take care of the earth, think about it as your own, from the angle of your own benefit as a practitioner. Like, my, you know, it's like, Fucking shit. You know how Sherlock on the new BBC Sherlock show, <laughs> I'm just going to pull a pop culture example. He, if you view him as some kind of weird science wizard or whatever, look, look at the way he uses his place to such great advantage. He knows every street in London. He knows the earth from each neighborhood. He's able to say, oh, this is clay from the southwest western bank. And I know that because there's all these thing, you know, there's a clay deposit there, or there's abandoned brick factory, and so there's brick dust worked into the ground there, and it makes him better able to excel at his work. So, in a, from a purely selfish standpoint, having a good relationship with your spirit of place is beneficial to the spiritual, sacred, magical work that you do. It just makes it all better. You're completely right, and I think that just from a practical view, you have to know the environment in which you're traveling, right? So the spirit world to many people, to most people maybe, is like going to a foreign country or maybe even to the moon or something. Mm -hmm. um, by getting to know the spirits of your place, then you're able to get more acquainted with your personal neighborhood. And the more familiar you are with it, the better you are able to get around. Yep. And the better you're able to be of help and to receive help in return. Basically, it's just better for everybody. Just get to know your local place. I realize we did not end up actually talking that much about house spirits themselves. <laughs> Do you want to give a few minutes really quick to uh, the spirit of your actual house? I have personal experience with this very recently, all of a sudden, moving into this house that my father recently bought. Uh, the house is about 30 years old. And one night I was sitting up in my bed with my head resting against the wall a bit and the spirit of the house was just sort of like tap, tap, tap on the shoulder. Hi, how are you? Who are you? It's nice to meet you. Like, what are you guys doing here? And I had a little conversation with the spirit of the house and it was, it was amazing. The house is, it, it remembered all of the stubbed toes and hammered fingers that mm. happened when the house was being built. The house is aware 
of the residual energy on the land on which it was built. The House is uncomfortably aware that this is Massachusetts and some massacring of Native people happened here, and it doesn't like the feeling of that. This is not far from, actually, I live across the street from a park at which Minutemen gathered before the Battle of Lexington and Concord, and so this land has seen a lot of stuff, and the house picks up on that. That's wild. It's like us as people living in a place, picking up on the residual energy there. The house, as a living spirit, picks up on the residual energy of the earth on which it lives. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Again, having a good relationship with your house is pretty, or your apartment building, or wherever you live, your yurt, whatever it may be, having a good relationship with (laughs) You never know. Your yurt, your TP, your, uh, you know, home place. Your home place. Your home place. Your trailer. You know, whatever it may be. Having a good relationship with that is, is essential, but it is a unique relationship because you are all up in it a lot of the time. You want to be buddies with it. You want to be buddies with it. So how to... Cultivate a good relationship with your house spirit or apartment spirit or building spirit, your home spirit. A, you know, common sense, taking good care of it, keeping it clean, uh, making sure that anything that's broken gets repaired. Generally not trashing the place and punching holes in the walls would be nice. Don't do that. Just don't do that. I've seen that happen, and it does not end well. Oh, shit. It does not end well. <laughs> that sucks. Like, let's just throw the banister through the front door. Like, no, <gasps> please don't do that. Just, you know, wrecking the house as a party house. But to then, to be fair, to be fair, I've seen some frat houses that loved being frat houses. They were like <laughs> frat boy houses. They just loved it. They loved the party energy. You know, they loved, I don't know if they loved being trashed, but... They loved trashed people being all up in them. They just, (laughs) they liked that raised energy kind of thing. And what I've noticed is that the frat houses that didn't sometimes got demolished. Really? Yeah. Oh, that is super fascinating. Or something would happen and the frat would lose its, I don't know, charter or whatever frats have. And, and the house would something, and it would change. Something would would have to happen. Um, which isn't to say that every frat house that gets demolished didn't like being a frat house, but that's just a pattern I've noticed. Um, but again, talk to your house spirit, ask it what it would like from you, how it would like to be taken care of by you. Uh, Seb the Shaman, again, writes on his blog, Green Stag Spirit Work. Uh, we'll link to this article in our show notes because it's so good. A Tale of Two Houses. He tells about one house spirit that really did not like him. And one house spirit that really did and would alert him when someone was coming down the driveway. And he would always know. And people would be like, how did you know I was here? Oh, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. So One thing that I will tell you as far as doing magic in your house or speaking to the spirit of your house, at least for me, I found that standing at some sort of threshold. So mm. standing in a doorway, standing in a window some sort of liminal space might help you get that connection going a little bit better than just like sitting on your couch in the living room like, 
hey house let's chat let's jam yeah and you know this this may take quite a bit of experimentation before you find out what works i found out what works by sheer accident for me what works in talking to this house spirit at least is i have to rest the back of my head against a wall that's cool. I just happened to do it, and that's when it felt like an electric. It felt like I was electrically plugged into the wall, and that's how the house talked to me. Whoa! And see, for me, it's the standing in some sort of doorway or liminal space, actually inside the house. Yeah. So people listening at home and abroad, don't think that your experience will be like anyone else's. We cannot say this enough. It won't Experiment, be. Try. You may not have a conversation in the same way that we do. You may not even be having a, what could really be called a conversation. It may be more of a communion where you just sort of feel or know things. You may have to do automatic writing in order to communicate. You may be talking out loud to the wall. Don't do this in public, people. People might think you're kind of kooky. Uh, they may take you away. We always have to exercise caution, which is another thing about magic in the city uh, and having to adapt, you know. Don't be dumb, people. Don't, Don't be, be dumb. dumb. And take care of yourself, you know. Please. Take good care of yourself. Please take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. There's so many other things I want to talk about about this. It's just too much. I know, but I feel like we've, we've covered it fairly well. Pretty what well. do you guys think? If you have any other questions about house spirits, about genius loci, about getting in touch with spirits as a general rule, you can get in touch with us on the connect page at themodernmysticpodcast.com. We love hearing your suggestions. We've gotten some good ones so far. Uh, yeah, we want to hear what you want to hear about so yeah, we can talk exactly. to you. And so. we also really want to hear about your experiences with spirits of place. We just oh yeah, cannot get enough. I'd love to hear all your stories about how you have experienced it because we all learn from each other when we share our experiences and our stories. We may not, you may not have thought of something that your neighbor has thought of. It may never mm -hmm. have even occurred to you and it might not be something that you yourself care to experience or are end up being able to experience, but it always informs and educates and enhances your practice to hear others' stories. It's always good. So we love to hear your stories. Please don't hesitate to hit us up or to hashtag your Instagram or social media posts with the Modern Mystic Podcast. We'll be able to see them or just tag us. We love to be tagged. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Paige, where can we find you when you're not here? You can here? find me when I'm not flopping around like a fish on the air at, <laughs> at my blog, Page Z's Tarot and Tea, which is at page with an I, Z-E-E.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tarot and Tea. Amelia, can you tell the listeners where they can find you? Yes, ma'am. You guys can find me at the midheaven.com. So that's the midheaven.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Pinterest. I would love to talk to you. Uh, in the meantime, download this SoundCloud iTunes. Please leave us a review. We would love it if you reviewed the podcast. The more you leave us reviews, the more people are able to hear us talk about magical stuff. So we love you so, so much. Melissa, special thanks to you. for yeah, you uh, Melissa. We love you. Yeah, you rock. 
And uh, until next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Baby kittens. (laughs) Bye.